Didn't see you there. Glad you're here. I'm glad to, T and I and, and, and Pastor Brownie, we're glad to be home. And uh, we had a great time in Texarkana, Arkansas. And it was a time where we were able to hear from God and, and, and minister as well. But as, as you're ministered, more than ministering, you're being ministered to and uh, being refreshed and built up. And so we come back built up, refreshed, alive with something to offer and something to give. And we believe that God has placed us here for such a time as this. So it's, it's, always, it's always nice to, to, for a couple days, just go and, and, and be able to receive from God. But it's always good to be home. You always know where God puts you. You always know where you're supposed to be. And so the minute we uh, set our eyes towards home, there's nothing going to stop us. We did have some storms yesterday as we were getting ready to fly back. Uh, there were some storms, and they said we might not get off the ground. We said that's just not an option. We're getting home, and we're getting as we're getting to the other side. We're, there's not a storm that can stop us from getting back to Canada. So we are back and got in early this morning, and we're ready to preach the word. Ready to hope you're ready to receive the word. Are you? Are you? Because I mean, you know, we can we can reschedule. <laughs> It'll be awkward, but we could. You guys are ready, aren't you? Okay, good. Let's, let's open. I want to pick up from something we talked about a couple weeks ago. I hope you can remember that far back. Um, this is the Twitter generation, and I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes our attention spans go a little bit short, but I don't think you're, you're one of those that, that uh, just goes back and forth from this thing to that. I believe that when God plants something in you, you hang on to it. So a couple weeks ago, we, we were reading from Hebrews about the need for endurance, about uh, the encouragement to endure. And uh, I want to just pick up on a phrase that we ended on a couple of weeks ago. We ended on the thought right at the end of the chapter, chapter 10, going into chapter 11 in Hebrews 10. And, and we'll read it together just so you can be reminded. And those of you that weren't here, um, you can hear it. If, if it's the first time, then you can be encouraged by it. Just to remind you, the people that are being written to here are going through a bunch of stuff. They're going through many things that are causing them to be tempted to give up, to give in. You know, the scripture says you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. In due season, you'll reap a harvest if you don't faint. What do we mean by faint? Means faint means like you get too tired, you just, you just quit. It also says, it says you have need of endurance, for you will. It says in due season, if you don't faint, if you don't quit, you'll receive the promises of God. You'll, 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 you'll receive the things that God has had already set aside for you, already promised you, already has ready for you, but you've got to have some faith and patience. In fact, it's in Hebrews as well that it says, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Many of us have the faith down. You believe God, but your belief in God has a time limit on it. It's really short. You believe God if he answers it while you're at the altar. You believe God if he answers it in the first three days that you prayed it. But the Bible says you need faith and patience. Now, patience is not what the world thinks patience is. You know, when we talk about patience in the world, it's just waiting around and seeing what happens. But when we're talking about patience combined with faith, we're not talking about just sitting there doing nothing. We're talking about continuing to press in, continuing to press forward, enduring, keep, keep, keep going. And that patience keeps you standing when everything screams against you, it's time to run, it's time to quit. And in the end of Hebrews, he says this, in the end of chapter 10, I should say, he says in verse 35, 
Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he was coming, will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Not just have brief moments of faith, not just have, have events of faith, not just have times where your faith felt strong. He says, my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now he's quoting from the Old Testament. He says, my righteous one will live by faith. If he shrinks back, I have no pleasure in that. And then he says in verse 39, but, thank God there's a but there, isn't it? But, because you might be reading that and going, what if it's me? What if I'm the guy he's not pleased with? Because I give up all the time. Look what he says. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but we are of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Now, remember what we said a couple weeks ago. When he says, of those, what does that mean to you? When he says, we're not of those. You notice he didn't just say, you're not going to shrink back. You're, you know, you're not the kind of person that shrinks back. He said, we're not of those that shrink back. When the Bible uses that term, of, like, uh, we're, I'm, of I'm of my father. Or I'm, I'm of this. I'm not of this world. It's talking about where you come from. Your roots, your family, your, 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 you know, what are you made of? He says, we're not of those. In other words, you're not part of the family. It's not in your DNA to give up. It's not in your family history to give up. We're not of those that shrink back. We are of those who have faith. And you might say, of course that's not, that can't seem, that does, just doesn't seem right to me because my dad was a quitter, my grandpa was a quitter. And, and I mean, I, I've had alcoholism running through my family or I've had this running through my family. But come on, guys. You're not who you were before you got born again. No, that's right. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Your family history will, will, will pop up here and it'll pop up there. And there'll be a, plenty of times where the enemy tries to use that against you and say, look who you are. You have no choice. You have no chance. You're just going to be like everybody else in your family. But he says here, that's not your family. No. We love them. You still love your grandpa and grandma. You still love your mom and your dad. It doesn't mean you go throw them out and say, I, I, what have I had to do with you anymore? There are times, you know, Jesus, even Jesus, when his mom and his brothers came to his service and refused to come in because they're too important to come into the meeting. So they sent somebody into the meeting where Jesus was preaching. Now, I know we like Mary. We got to remember, she's just a human. Not worthy of worship. Not worthy of your prayer. She's a wonderful lady. Wonderful lady. You should all aspire to be a little bit more like Mary because it was Mary who said, let it be done to me according to your word. That was a big statement. But it doesn't mean she was perfect. She got a little bit haughty in who she was. His brothers got a little haughty. They wouldn't even go into the meeting and they said, hey, tell Jesus we need to see him. He's preaching. Tell Jesus we need to see him. So somebody, somebody with the bad job of going in, wouldn't you hate to be that guy who's got to go in and tell Jesus, oh, your family's here to see you. Like interrupt his message, maybe slip him a note. I wouldn't do it. I'd just say, I'm sorry. That's above my pay grade. I'm not doing that. <laughs> somebody did. Somebody said, your brothers, your mom's here to see you. Can you imagine being a grown man? 
preaching. You're not just a grown man. You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. And somebody comes out and says, your mommy wants to see you. Right in the middle of your message. (laughs) Not fun. So Jesus says, who's my mom? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? But those that do the will of God. He says, my true family, you know, I love you. And even when he died on the cross, he looked down at John and said, hey, take care of this woman. Treat her like your mother. I mean, he made sure she was taken care of. He still loved his mother. But he realized there was a bigger family than just that natural family. And you've got to realize no matter who your family is, you still love them. But you're not bound to those limits that you've placed on yourself. You're not bound to those habits and cycles that have gone through your family, the curses that have just seemed to be popping up everywhere. That's not part of you anymore. I think sometimes people spend a little bit too much time on the whole generational curses thing. I get that there are things that repeat. But can I tell you, when you got born again, you became part of a new family. That's right. And the scripture says in the Old Testament when he's prophesying about what's going to happen when Jesus comes and the new covenant's going to come. He says, no longer will you say our fathers ate sour grapes and our drank sour wine, ate sour grapes, and now our teeth are on edge. Do you know what that means? Like, he's, you know, there was, there was a saying that, you know, because the sins of the fathers were visited on the sons and the daughters. There was a saying that when your, your parents, when your father ate these sour grapes, the kids are going to have to deal with your teeth being set on edge. Because your parents, your parents drank that stuff, your parents ate that stuff, and now we're dealing with the, the effects of it. He says, no longer will you say, my dad ate sour grapes and now my teeth are on edge. Because now you're going to be a brand new person, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. I understand that there are cycles in families. I understand that there are things that pop up, but you have to understand that is in the flesh. That's not in the spirit. When you became a new creation, you became a new creation. And your family was a new family. And your dad was a new dad. And I want to read you here. It says, we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. We are of those who have faith in the preserving of the soul. Can anybody tell me what comes right after this? What's the chapter right after this? We call it the Faith Hall of Fame, right? He starts talking about men who shut the mouths of lions, women who receive their sons back from the dead. He talks about people like Abraham and Moses and and Isaac and, and Joseph. And he talks about Samson. He talks about all these guys, these great men and women of God. He says, this is your family tree. This is your family history. You want to know who you take after? You take after these men and women of faith. Mm-hmm. Because that's the family you were born into. Mm-hmm. I want us to look in Isaiah. Can we look there? Yes. You guys are going to have to wake up. Oh, we won't go much further. <laughs> let's, get, let's, get, uh, let's get awake. Let's get alive. Because this is going to be something that can set us on a whole new course in life when we realize who we really are. That's the trick is knowing who you are. Isaiah chapter 51. How many of you love reading some of these Old Testament prophecies that are talking about you? 
And it, isn't it crazy to think thousands of years ago, a guy stood up and, and some people paid attention to him and some people didn't, but a man stood up led by the spirit of God and began to talk about you, what you would, what, I mean, your, your age and, and what you're living through right now, that, that somehow the Bible says that these men were moved by the spirit of God and so they spoke. Men and women moved by the Spirit of God spoke. And God used those men and women to speak, not just about where they were. Because the scripture says that they, they got out their scrolls, they got out their books, and they made careful searches and inquiries trying to find out who in the world they were prophesying about. And then he goes on to say, they didn't realize that they were prophesying about us. They were talking about what we were living right now. They were saying all these things for our benefit. So in Isaiah chapter 51, he says, Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. Fear not, you will not be put to shame. You do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced, but you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. I'm reading Isaiah chapter 54, and it's awesome. But it's, I'm, I'm thinking, this is really good. But this is not what we're talking about. <laughs> you ever get into it, and you just don't want to stop anyways because it's good? I got past verse 3, and I knew I was in the wrong spot, but it was just that good. Isaiah chapter 51, like I told you earlier. Come on, guys. Didn't you flip to the right chapter when I said 51? (laughs) Got to be one of those preachers who needs an usher to flip my Bible for me. I don't know. (laughs) Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Is there anybody here who's pursuing righteousness? Is there anybody here who's seeking the Lord? I want you to know. You're pursuing righteousness, but if you're a believer, you're pursuing it from a place where you already are righteous. What you're pursuing is that your outside looks like your inside. Mm-hmm. Your life bears out who you are. That the royalty in your veins comes out in your walk. That you would know, I am righteous because I'm righteous. I will walk righteous. I will pursue righteousness. We had a Shih Tzu named Bubba. And you look, took one look at our dog and you'd say, Bubba's a good name. Bubba had an amazing underbite, one that really fit the name Bubba. And Bubba, Bubba, Bubba did not ever clue in. You should have seen Bubba around other dogs. Now, when we'd send him to the Davidson's house, he'd figure out finally that he was a dog and he'd try to copy their big you know, they're big dog. But when he was back in Lloydminster, he was convinced, who are these animals that keep bothering us humans? And he was just, you know, he's, you know he, he, I don't think he thought he was a human, but he thought he was better than the other dogs. I don't know what he thought. But I remember mom teaching him to praise the Lord. He would get on his hind legs and he'd 
put his paws in the air and he danced around. Not for a second do I think he's actually saying, wow, glory to God, I got to dance this off. (laughs) Do you know what he's thinking? When I do this, when she says this and I do this, I get something tasty. And so I'm going to keep doing this. And when I do this, when she says that and I do this, she gets really happy. I like when she's really happy. That's what he's thinking. He's not just saying, oh, I heard a word. Oh, they were playing preaching on the cassette player. I got to take a run around the house. Oh, I got to take a run around the house. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. (laughs) Now, we know all creation was created to praise God, right? But him getting up on his hind legs and doing this, you know what? He's doing an impression of a human, Mm -hmm. but he's not a human. That became painfully obvious when he would just decide, man, man, the carpet's a great place for me to relieve myself. That's a good spot. (laughs) Humans don't get away with stuff like that. And the stuff he ate, humans would never get away with eating that stuff. I'm not going to go any deeper into it because you got to eat lunch after this. But you know, dogs will eat things, some things that they've seen before. If you know what I mean. And it's not better the second time. And so as much as he might act like a human... Or pretend for a second he's a human. None of us are buying it. We didn't have somebody come over to our house and go, did you have another son? <laughs> what, who is this? Who is this young man? Because he's up on his hind legs doing this. I thought you had a dog, but you've got a child. Nobody bought that. If you were still in the world, a sinner who had no relationship with Jesus Christ, you could attempt to live a righteous life. But it wouldn't be who you were. And you wouldn't be able to hold it up for very long. You'd go back to your old ways. And the Bible calls that like a dog returning to its vomit. But when you are a human being, there are certain things you just do because you're a human being. And there are times, like my parents had to say, you know, when I was a little boy, they had to say, Jonathan, let's say this together. I'm a boy, I'm a boy, and not a monkey, and not a monkey. Because I I love to climb on stuff all the time. Now, I still think maybe I could have made the Olympics had I been allowed. I'm glad my own flesh and blood finds that hilarious. No, when you're a, when you're a kid, you got to learn this is how human beings act. You're not the dog, you're a human. So here's my point. It's a lot better when you are knowing who you are because I am righteous by the blood of Jesus. When you live righteously, it matches who you are, and you're able to sustain it, and you're able to do it right. You're not just doing your best impression of Jesus. You're letting Jesus live through you. You're not doing your best impression of a child of God. You are a child of God. You're not, you're not, you're not pretending like you're righteous. You are. And in fact, when you go back to your old ways, that's what doesn't make sense. So you've got to choose, who am I? When you know who you are, then you make a choice. Am I going to be who I really am, or am I going to pretend to be who I used to be? Look what he says here in chapter 51. He says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. Hewn meaning you were cut from. Look to the rock you were cut from. Look to the pit, the quarry from which you were dug. What are you made of? Look to what you're really made of. You could have a necklace that's got a precious stone on it. That precious stone had to be cut 
from something, didn't it? Had to be dug from something. Had to be taken from something. And he's saying, you go back and you look to your roots. You go back. Look what you're made of. Look what you came from. Look at the rock that we cut you from. Look at the quarry you were dug out of. That's who you really are. And what does he say right after that? He says, look to the quarry from which you were dug. Then he says, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. And you go, wait a second. My mom's name wasn't Sarah. Well, his point is, where are you coming from? And he's talking to the nation of Israel here, but it applies to us as well as members of the new covenant, as children of Abraham by faith. Look what he says. Look who, I mean, you, you who are seeking righteousness, you who are going after God, and you're saying, man, it gets hard and it gets tough sometimes. He says, look to where you came from. Look to your roots. You're made of something bigger than this. You're not of those that shrink back. You're made of tougher stuff. And I don't care if you go back in your family tree and your family history and you come from a great family of quitters. You come from a family of losers. You come from a family that never did anything right. He's saying, look back to where you really came from. You know, in Galatians chapter 3, he talks about how we are of Abraham's seed by faith. He says that, that we're, it's, not, it's, not, it's not those who came through the flesh. It's not those who are simply the fleshly descendants of Abraham that can call Abraham our father. He says, we say Abraham is our father because he is the father of faith. In fact, let's read that because it'll, it'll make more sense when we read it together. In Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, he says in verse 6, Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. You know what made Abraham so special was not his genealogy, was not his family. What made Abraham special was that he believed God. That's why he's the father of the faith. What made Abraham special was that when everybody else would have given up, Abraham kept going. And it says, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Remember in Isaiah 51, it said, you who seek righteousness, look to where you came from. Righteousness does not come from living a better life. Righteousness comes by faith. You've got to trust in a righteous God who's able to make you righteous, who is able to empower you to live righteously. Then he says, therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. It's those who are of faith. You see, the Galatians had been tricked into creating divisions. There were Jewish believers and there were Gentile believers. And the Jewish believers were going back to their old ways and thinking they were superior because they came from the genealogy, their line came from Abraham. And he said, listen, I'm going to tell you who the true children of Abraham are. Those who are of faith. Because you know what? Abraham's fleshly line doesn't mean anything. Doesn't matter. I mean, that's that's not the big deal here. What's the big deal is that Abraham... Believe God, and that's what made him righteous. So those of us that want to be righteous have got to believe God. That's where righteousness comes from. It doesn't come from you. It comes from God. It says, therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. In verse 8, he says, 
The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. Isn't that amazing that God preached the gospel to Abraham? And Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Whether Abraham fully realized it or not, the gospel, the good news was preached to him, that all the nations would be blessed in him. He says, so then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. For as many as the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it's only a man's covenant. Yet when it's been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. What does Abraham's seed mean? That means his descendants, doesn't it? Now who are we? Are we his descendants? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody here like Jewish by birth? You got any Jewish by birth? We got some ifs. But nobody that was just like, you know, you had your, I mean, it's Lloydminster, right? So we're not in New York City. So for, some, for whatever reason, we don't have anybody here that was born and says, I can trace my genealogy to Abraham. Nevertheless, we are all the descendants of Abraham once we receive Jesus because it says here that Abraham's seed are those that have believed by faith. If we believe by faith, we've become the sons and daughters of Abraham and we are heirs to the same promises he had. So look to the rock you were cut from. Look to your family tree. My dad was a loser. My grandpa was a loser. Forget those guys. You know who's in your family tree? Abraham's in your family tree. Isaac's in your family tree. Moses is in your family tree. Joseph's in your family tree. You got guys like Gideon and Barak that that he he couldn't even talk about because he didn't have time in Hebrews chapter 11. You got women who received their kids back from the dead. You got men who shut the mouths of lions. That's your family tree. That's who you come from. That's who you take after. You ever have somebody say, you look just like your uncle. You look just like your, oh, you got that from your uncle. You got that temper from your daddy. You got that, oh, you got that from your mom. You say, that's not my family anymore. I get that. They're still my family. But my real family is those who are of the faith. And when I look at my family tree, I see people that didn't give up. You've got to stop believing the lie that you're just bound to lose because everybody else is lost. And you've got to start believing, I'm made of something different now. Paul said in Philippians, he's talking about, he says, if anybody could have bragged in the flesh, it could have been me. He said, I came from a good family. I came from a good tribe. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I kept all the the law that I could. I was educated. I did all this. If I was going to be confident in who I was in the flesh, if anybody could be confident, it was me. But he says, all of that I count as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. I count all that as nothing. It doesn't even matter. I would much rather be found in him. 
I would much rather be found in his righteousness. I would much rather be identified with Jesus. I would much rather have his righteousness because he says, my righteousness doesn't count for anything. Here in Galatians, he says, we're just going to go back and read it again. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Now, this is all just talking about who you of. Now, how many of you were here last year when we talked from John 8 about Jesus talking about where he came from and where the Pharisees came from? Did anybody remember that? Yes. A few of you. So I'm going to go back and we're just going to read it again just to remind you. Is that all right? Because a lot of you weren't here. And I want you to see, this is probably one of the biggest arguments that took place in the Gospels that, that I can tell. There were some tempers that, that flared up. There were some people that got really mad. In John chapter 8, thank you, Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself, and your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. Isn't that interesting? I know where I came from. That mattered to Jesus. Where you, came, where you come from, your roots matter. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. In other words, you judge based on what you see and what you know about a person, what you can tell about them by getting to know them. I, judge, I don't judge anyone, he says. But even if I did, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone in it, but I am the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it's been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, well, where's your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said again to them, I go away. And you will seek me, and you will die in your sin, and where I'm going, you cannot come. So apparently, where you're going is tied to where you came from. I came from there. I came from heaven. I came from my father, and I'm going back to my father. You didn't come from where I come from, so you can't go where I'm going. I don't know if you're catching the significance of that. But to me, what that says is there are places you need to go that you can't go until you first know where you're coming from. You can't go where you're supposed to go until you know where you came from. Now, I'm big into genealogy. I love looking at family history, but that's not what I'm talking about. You have to know where you came from. You have to know what your roots are. You have to know why you have the authority to talk to demons and they have to leave. You have to know why you can say I'm righteous when you're hearing all these voices saying, you don't look righteous. You have to know that you can do what God called you to do and you can go where he told you to go because you didn't come out of the world. You came out of something else. He says, I go away and you will seek me. You will die in your sin. Where I'm, where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? <laughs> Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. 
And he was saying to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Them's fighting words, isn't they? (laughs) You're from below. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I'm he, in other words, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? This whole time, I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. We are going to keep reading, but I want you to stop for a minute, because many of you right now, even right now when you're reading this, you're saying, well, of course Jesus can say that. Of course Jesus can say that I do nothing on my own initiative. Of course, Jesus can say, I speak the things as the Father taught me. Of course, Jesus can say, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Of course, he can say, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. But do you realize that in John chapter 17, Jesus says, these disciples of mine are no more of the world than I am of the world. Mm -hmm. And that just as I was sent, so they're sent. So when you're reading this, you need to not just see Jesus, you need to see yourself in it. Can you say with confidence, and I'm not talking about confidence in yourself, I'm talking about confidence in him. Can you confidently say, because I am in Christ, the life I lived, as Paul said, who I was has died. The guy I used to be has been crucified. I am not that guy anymore. I've been crucified with Christ, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So can you confidently say in your own, not just in your own self, but in him, can you say that I do nothing on my own initiative? Can you say, I speak the things that the Father taught me? If you're saying no right now and you're shaking your head, can I tell you, you can get to that place where you're able to say, the things I'm speaking, I'm speaking because the Father taught me. Well, you, you don't have to be that egomaniac that walks down the street and tells everybody, I know what God's saying and you don't. I'm talking about a believer that believes the word of God. These are the words that the Father's teaching you. He's using the Holy Spirit himself to teach you these things. And you're going to speak what he wants you to speak. You're going to go where he tells you to go. And you're going to be able to say, he's not left me alone. He's always with me. My dad's always with me. When you say talk about your dad, you may have a great relationship with your earthly father, but I'm talking about your heavenly father. Your Abba father. Think about how big that is. How real that is to us. He says this, as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Well, that's good. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you, are, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have not been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. 
The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I've seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you've heard from your father. Now, hang on a minute. Can I just, can we just backtrack a second? Can we? Can we? All right, thank you. Just making sure we can still do that. Hang on for a minute. I thought he was talking to the Jews that believed in him. Didn't you? It says he spoke these things to the Jews that believed in him. But then there's some Jews that said, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. Apparently they haven't read their history. (laughs) Slavery does pop up once or twice. We've never been slaves to anyone. Do you realize, and then when Jesus answers them, he says, you're trying to kill me. You're of your father, the devil. Do you realize that those same Pharisees that questioned him earlier are following him around? Because he's not talking to the Jews that believe in him. Because remember, it says there was Jews that believed in him, and he said those things to them. But there's a group that doesn't believe in him, because when he answers them, he says, you don't believe in me because you're of the father, the devil. You're trying to kill me. So he's not talking about the group of people that believed in him. He's talking about these folks that follow him around wherever he's going just to start an argument. See, when I first read this, I thought, boy, that, that changed quickly. He's being all nice to these Jews that believed in him, and all of a sudden he's really angry. And that's not the case. He's talking. He's trying to talk to these people. Have you ever been in a conversation where you are trying to talk to these people and you're just trying to have a conversation with them and these pests keep following you around, interrupting everything you say? No? That never happened to you? Where you're trying to talk to this person and this person keeps coming in and interrupting you? This happens to me. I don't know. Maybe it's never happened to you, but it happens to me. He is talking to these good people that believed in him. But there are other people that keep following him around just trying to start a fight. Do you realize that Jesus didn't ever go around trying to start arguments with anybody? He didn't have to. They followed him around. Most of the time, most of the arguments in the Gospels, most of the time he's challenged. Most of the time he gets in a debate with someone. It all starts with him doing a miracle or teaching his disciples or preaching to the people who need to be preached to. And he's got a fan club. It's like, it's like the Bizarro fan club. He's got a fan club that follows him around just to argue with him. They're his like negative groupies. <laughs> and they just follow him around waiting for him to slip up. Guys, I don't, I don't mean to bust your bubble, but there are people right now, right in North America right now, that have got blogs and websites, and they listen to every sermon, every sermon that these certain preachers preach, and they're not listening because they want to be built up. They're listening because they want to find something wrong with it. These people still exist today. The Pharisees would have had blogs abundant. They would have been prolific bloggers. So be careful when you search for somebody's name and you click on the first thing that comes up. Be careful when you go YouTubing and trying to find something and you see somebody because there's the same folks that are just trying to start a fight. So anyways, he's got these, but he's preaching to the Jews that believe in him. They're not trying to kill him. They're not of their father, the devil. They like him. But he's talking to them and guess who interrupts? These other guys. And they say, we're of our father, Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. And Jesus says, uh, on the contrary, 
Everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I've seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you've heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. So he had such confidence in that. We come from a line of royalty. We come from Abraham's line. How dare you say that our father speaks lies? How dare you say this? And he goes, if you were Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. Because you think you're you're children of Abraham just because you were born in the right place in the right time. But he's saying, I tell you that the reason you'd be sons of Abraham is because you believed in me. He goes on and he says this. But as it is, you're seeking to kill me, a man who's told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. But they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. You see, they're taking a dig at at his mother Mary. They're taking a dig at her because Jesus, as you know, was born to a virgin. They were saying, maybe that's not the case. Maybe she was messing around. We are not born of fornication. We are are of one father. Our father is God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I've not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand that what I am saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. You are of, now listen, remember we started this conversation saying we are not of those who shrink back. We are of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Where we came from, our people, our tribe... We're not the tribe that shrinks back. We're not the tribe that gives up. We are of the people. Our family does not give up. You ever had your parents say that to you? You're a Davidson. Davidsons don't quit. (laughs) Well, I hope your parents didn't say that because that would be weird. (laughs) Now, that, that that family down the street may do that, but we don't do that. That's not us. Well, you need to say to yourself every now and then, that's not who I am. I'm not a quitter. I'm not somebody who shrinks back. You know who my family is? My family conquered nations. My family shut lions up. My family calmed seas. My family believed God when no one else would. My family built an ark. My family did this. I mean, you start thinking about your family, what you're made of, your DNA. Now, I'm going to tell you, your physical DNA is the same as was when you were born. If they did a blood test, they would find your dad is still your dad. But we don't live by the flesh. We live by the spirit. And who you are, remember, we've been taught this ever since. I've been taught this ever since I was a little kid. Who you are, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. So who you are in the flesh is not who you really are. Who you really are is who God made you to be. And the Bible says you've been created in his likeness. You've been recreated in the likeness of God in holiness and in the truth. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 that that was a recreation. When you've been created in the image of the one who created you, you're starting to look more and more like him. You've been renewed. 
It says once you realize who you really are, there's no distinction between Greeks and Jews and barbarians and Scythians and slaves and free. There's no distinctions anymore because Christ is all and Christ is in all. We start to identify by who our dad is. We start to identify that we're family. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter if you were born in Canada or you're born somewhere else. It doesn't matter if this is your family or that's your family. We are of the family of God. And our family tree is rich with people that have believed God when everyone else ran away. So what are you made of? What are you made of? I want you to imagine your heavenly father grabbing you by the collar and saying, this family doesn't give up. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know you got royalty running through your veins? Don't you know you're built of something bigger than this? You think you're built of that wimpy stuff over there? No, you're made of something stronger. Look to the rock that you were cut, cut from. Look to the pit you were dug out of. And look to the grave that Jesus came out of because that's where you were born in the resurrection power of God because that old person you used to be he was crucified with Christ she was crucified with Christ you left that person on the cross but who you really are now that person was born as Jesus came out of the grave he brought you into a new identity you are born in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ so I'm not who I used to be you're not who you used to be your family tree may be fascinating but it doesn't determine your fate where you're going has a lot to do with where you came from. But you have to know where you came from. Isaiah says, look, if you want to look to your, where you were cut from, you want to look to the pit you came out of, look to Abraham. Look to Sarah. These are your people. These are your, these are your grandparents. He says here, you're of your father the devil, so you want to do the desires of your father. Did you know that it's programmed into us to imitate our father? We will do what our father did. So if, you, if you're of your father the devil, you'll do what he did. But if you're of your father God, we'll do what he does. So, because Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, I'm of my father and I don't do anything. The things I say, I say what the father taught me. The things I do, I, tell, I do what the father told me to do. And I'm never alone. He's always with me. He says... Your father was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and he's a father of lies. Now this is important. This is so important, guys. Because you will live out of your nature. Now how many here, can let's just be honest, before you got born again, all right? So I'm not talking about now, but I'm talking before you were born again. How many of you were by nature, you had a hot temper? Anybody here said, I I was by nature, I had a hot temper? Now, have you ever had that try to creep up on you since you were born again? Yeah. Yeah. Because the flesh is still there, and the flesh still wants to tell you that's who you are. But that's not who you are. You, what did you have to do? You have to, you have to go back and say, that's who I was, that's not who I am. How many of you have alcoholism in your family? All right. That's a lot of people, isn't it? You have alcoholism in your family. That's not who you are. That's right. You're something different now. And you know what? That old flesh tries to rise up and tell you that's still who you are. You have to remember, that's not who I am. I'm not that person. That's who I was. But that person was executed with Jesus Christ. 
who I am. I've been adopted into a new family. I've been reborn and recreated. Does it mean you will never be tempted? Of course not. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He always tries to bring up things that are irrelevant. He is, look what he says, his nature is he's a father of lies. Just because you were tempted with it doesn't mean it's true. Just because you were tempted with it doesn't mean that's who you are. You do not have to go around saying, I still have a bad temper. I just keep it under control. No, you can say, I used to have a bad temper. And every now and then, that that thing tries to crop up on me, but I'm not letting that in because that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. You will live out of your nature. Now, nature is what you're born with, right? Right? Uh, psychologists talk about nature versus nurture. What they're talking about is there are things you do just because you're born with those genetic traits. And there are other things you do because you learned them. Right? Mm -hmm. Some of you, (laughs) isn't it funny when babies come out and they, some things they do, it's a little facial features and you go, boy, your grandpa, your grandpa might be dead, but you go, he used to do that exact same thing. You ever seen that in, in a little child? That's not, they didn't learn that. That was nature. That's just a genetic trait. Now, there are things you learn by being around people, and you pick things up. So both of those things play into who you are. And here he's saying, you guys do the same thing the devil does because he does what's in his nature. He can't tell the truth. You know, we, we, we hear uh, the Scripture tells us it's impossible for God to lie. Well, it's impossible for Satan to really tell the truth. Now, he can, he can play at it for a while, but there's always a, a, a lie interwoven. There's always a, a, a deeper lie. He can kind of give you elements of truth, but in the end, it's just deception. And it says here, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. So he says, this is why you can't hear what I have to say, because I'm speaking the truth. And it's a language you don't know because you come from your father who's a liar. But because I speak the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why don't you believe me? He who is of God. Now, what does of mean? That means that's where you came from. He who has come from God, who is of God, he who is born of God, hears the words of God. For this reason, you don't hear them because you are not of God. So there were people that just literally could not hear what Jesus had to say because they were of the wrong nature. They were of the wrong person. Now, do you think they were born that way? They might have been born that way because we're all born into sin, a sinful world, and we're, you know, a world under the curse. But do you think they could, things could have been different? Absolutely. Because he talked to his own disciples and he said, you're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. These ones that believe me, they believe me because they're of the Father God and they're of the Father Abraham. He says, he who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you don't hear them because you're not of God. Now remember, of is talking about where you came from. So you've got to know, you came from him. The Jews answered and said to him, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan? Racial slur. Of course, it's so far from the truth. Nobody actually believed he was, but (laughs) ha ha. That's the worst thing we could possibly say about him. You are a Samaritan and you have a demon. So we're going to insult your mom, we're going to insult you, and we're going to say you have a demon. Jesus answered and said, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. 
But I don't seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Now, let's just stop there. We could keep going. But I think we've made the point we need to make. That later on, just as I said, Jesus says in John 17, these disciples aren't of the world. Just as I was sent into the world, you've been sent into the world. When we talk about you're not of those who shrink back, this goes deeper than somebody just telling you, please don't shrink back. It's a bad idea to shrink back. You see, when I preach to you and you hear what we're saying, I am to a degree, trying to convince you of something. But I'm not trying to convince you to try your best not to shrink back. I'm trying to tell you who you are. Because yeah. when you know who you are, you'll act like you are. If you've ever read Ephesians 4 and 5, he says, you are light. So walk as children of light. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 spend their whole time talking about who you are. In Christ, being raised up with him, being seated with heavenly places, all the things that he did for you, all the riches of his grace. And then in chapter 4, it says, stop doing this. Stop lying. Stop stealing. Stop doing this. You know why he can tell them to stop doing it? Because it's not who they are anymore. In Ephesians chapter 5, in fact, I'm going to read it to you real quick. I know, I know we've read a lot today, but let me just, if, can you fit it in? You still got room? All right. In Ephesians chapter 5, look what he says. Be imitators of God as beloved children. That's huge. Be imitators of God as beloved children. That's big because you're not just imitating him because you think I can do a good impression. You're imitating him because you came from him. You're, you got that DNA in you. You're, you have the right stuff. Be imitators of God as beloved children. So he just told you who you are, and he told you you're loved. That's, that's big to start out, isn't it? And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Can anybody tell me what a saint is? Someone who's holy, someone who's righteous. Saint is somebody who is completely holy. So he just called you a saint. He didn't just say you're, you're a dirty old sinner. Try your best to be good. He said you're a saint. And it's not proper for saints to be impure. And what, what does he mean by proper? It doesn't fit. It's not us. It's not who we are. He says it's not proper for impurity or greed or immorality. You're not those people anymore. That's who you used to be, but you're not them anymore. He says, so get away from that stuff because you're holy now. You're righteous now. He says there must be no filthiness, no silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting. It doesn't fit you anymore. That's not who you are. But rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were, what? 
formerly darkness. You used to be darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed to the light, for ev- or by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So here's the thing. You have to know who you are. You have to know who your dad is. You got to know who your family is because it affects what you're going to do in your life. He's saying, the reason I'm telling you to stay away from that impure stuff, the reason I'm telling you to stop sleeping around, the reason I'm telling you to stop, stop using your mouth like a, like a porta potty the reason I'm telling you this is because that doesn't fit who you are anymore. You ever see a kid walking down the street like in junior high who like in seventh grade is one kid and then eighth grade he's just decided he's of another culture? And he's going around trying to pretend he's somebody else that he's not. And everybody who's known him for years goes, who's that guy? Really? Come on now. Yeah, nobody's buying it. That complete makeover of a different, you know. And they, they're trying to be cool because they saw the latest music video. And they're trying to be something. And you go, that just doesn't fit you. You don't, that's not who you are, man. I know where you came from. That's not who you are. When we go around and we try to go back into our old lifestyle, back in the old ways, it, it's, not that, it's not that we're trying to act like children of God. It's not like we're trying to be children of God. We are the children of God. That stuff doesn't fit anymore. It's the weirdest thing to me, guys, when a preacher gets up and starts swearing at people and says, I just need to be real. You know why? Because that was real when you were in the world. But that's not real with who you are right now. If you knew who you were, if you knew who you were, where you came from, if you knew how righteous God made you, you wouldn't say that that's real. That's fake. You want to be real? Imitate your father. That's who you are. Stop faking who you are. Too many of us have gone around saying, setting limits on who we could be, what we could do, or blaming the things we did on our heritage, on our family, on our past. I'm telling you right now, you're not that person anymore. You've got to say, I am of my Father. I am not of those that shrink back. I'm not of those that shrink back. And guys, I believe this, that when Jesus made you a new creation, you know that what's on the outside is affected by what's on the inside. Do you know everything natural starts with spiritual? Everything seen starts with something unseen. Does it, is it odd to you that Romans 8 says that the same resurrection power that, that raised Christ from the dead, if it dwells in you, it would make alive your physical body? That resurrection power he's talking about is in your spirit, but it's so big in you, it actually affects your physical body. Do you ever think about the fact that who Jesus was spiritually healed people naturally? That who you are spiritually affects your body, affects other people's body too. So even if you had cancer in your family, even if you had heart disease in your family, don't you know that who you are in Christ is bigger than who you were? Mm-hmm. Now, you may still have those genetic markers. You may still have those, you may still have things in your body that came from your dad and your grandpa and your great grandpappy or whatever. But who you are 
who you really are is bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Do you know that Jesus that saved your spirit can also save your body? So I'm talking about emotionally, I'm talking about spiritually, I'm even talking about physically. Don't doom yourself to your family. Don't doom yourself to their fate. You must know my family tree is not what it used to be. I'm of my father. The people in my family don't give up. The people in my family get healed. The people in my family cast demons out. The people in my family, they believe God when everyone else quits. The people in my family, they fight and they win. The people in my family shut the mouths of lions. The people in my family calm the storms. The people in my family, my family tree, they're righteous. They're not righteous because they finally worked it up. They're righteous because they believe God. Can you believe that God's made you somebody new? You're of him. So when I, I say all that to get back to that original point. We are not of those who shrink back. We are of those who have faith. Your family is a family of faith. And whenever the enemy tries to come back and tell you, you have a temper because your dad had a temper. You're an alcoholic because your grandfather was an alcoholic. You're going to die early because your dad died early. Now I'm saying, I'm a man, so I'm saying men stuff. Women, this enemy can lie to you about the exact same stuff about your mother, about your dad, about your grandparents, about your family. He'll try to scare you, intimidate you, and shame you. I want you to know no matter where you came from, you become part of this family now. That's right. And I'm not talking about the word church family. Thank God you are. You're talking about Jesus' family, the family of God. You're a different person now. You're made of stronger stuff. Sometimes you got to look back and say, where did I come from? Every time you feel like, I just, I'm just going to give up because I always give up. I always have. I never can stand. Look back where you were cut from. Look to the rock that you were cut from. You're made of stiffer stuff. You're made of stronger stuff. Look at the pit you were dug from. Look at the grave that's empty and realize you're made of something bigger. Don't let the devil lie to you about that anymore. Can we just stand up and we're just going to bless the Lord. And um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to just lay some stuff down at the feet of Jesus. Can we do that? Can we just lay some stuff at his feet and just not pick it up again? I want us to be honest for the sake of being healed. Can we do that? Not honest for the sake of, well, uh, might as well fess up. This is who I've always been. This is what I've always done. But let's be honest for the sake of healing because I believe that in order for uh, somebody to be healed, you first have to realize there's an issue. The problem is often when we realize there's an issue, we go back and we realize there's an issue there. We cling to it. We don't let it go. So if God brings up something, God will never bring things up in your past to condemn you. He'll never bring things up in your past just to remind you of how lowly you are. If God ever brings something up to you, it's because you haven't dealt with it yet. And it's still ruling you in some way. And he might shine a light on it so that you can deal with it. But most of the time when your past is being brought up, it's not God at all. It's, it's the devil. But I do believe there are times where the things that are just still pricking and still keeping us, still bugging us, still 
still ruling us and it's because we've never really confronted them and they're still there in the corner talking to us. So I'd like us just to, for a second, for a minute, however long it takes, just let the Lord free us of those things. Can we let the Lord free us of the need to constantly go back to old habits and constantly go back to old patterns. And, and when they happen, we tell ourselves, that's just who I am. If you're still struggling with that old temper, I want you to stop saying, I got that from my dad, I got that from my grandma, I got that from my mom, I got that from my grandma. I want you to stop giving it an excuse to have a place in your life. It should not have a place in your life anymore. I recognize that it may still pop up, but it's not, it's not yours. It's not you anymore. It's not you. You're not that person. We're going to lay some things down at the feet of Jesus, and we're not going to pick them up again. They're going to stay at the feet of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just sit here for a minute. Thank you, Lord. You are good. You are good. You are good. We recognize that you have set us free from our past. You've set us free from the need to constantly go back and say, I'm just going to, this is who I am. I'm always doing these things. Lord, I'm asking you right now that your spirit would give us a new identity. That by your spirit, we would see who we really are. That by your spirit, we would recognize that we are in Christ. We are in Christ and we've been made a new creation. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your good. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace. You've woken us up. You've woken us up. I have a sense that some of you, I'm sure you do as well, some of you need to just take a physical step. Some of you need to just come up and lay your past at the feet of Jesus and let him redefine you. Now I realize I'm not here to condemn, I'm not here to bring up your past. I'm here to just say, if there's something that's still creeping on you, we need to stop saying I'm only human. We need to stop saying, well, I do that because my parents did that. We need to stop blaming on the stuff and just say, I'm a new creation in Christ. And if it comes up, it does not disprove who I am. If I do it again, it doesn't mean I'm no longer a child of God. you got to know you're a child of God, and that status isn't up for grabs. That's not at risk here. You know, when my son does something that I don't want him to do, I don't say I don't have a son anymore. He's still my son. Even when he doesn't act like my son, he's my son. And your father is not going to let go of you that easy. But there are some things we need to let go of.
And we're going to do that in Jesus' name. Do you mind if I play a little bit? You want to play with me? I'm going to play on the keyboard. father. In fact, it means daddy in Hebrew. In the Bible, the Bible says our spirits cry out, Abba, Father. That's like a little child would cry to their daddy. I want you to just cry out to your father right now. I belong. 
Come on. 